Amen. Jonah chapter 4, beginning with verse number 5, the scripture says this, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? He said, I do well to be angry. Even unto death, I do well to be angry. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand or 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? And that is the way the book of Jonah concludes. And I want to speak for just a few moments on this subject, prepared for the purpose of God prepared for the purpose of God. I, I would like to just point out to you that there are three things prepared by God in this passage. He prepared a gourd. He prepared a worm to destroy the gourd. He prepared a vehement east wind to beat down and move upon Jonah. God was prepared, and I want to speak to you on this subject, prepared for the purpose of God. Could we lift up our voice and ask God's blessing upon the preaching of his word today in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for every soul that is in this place. Lord, you know the needs of every individual, and I pray that you will move upon those needs with the perfect peace that passes understanding with the confirmation of your word. Lord, I pray that you will bring comfort, that you will bring correction, that you will bring refreshing to our hearts and souls. Give us instruction and help us, I pray, to draw ever closer to you. I ask for your anointing, oh God. I ask for your anointing in this house. And for that, we give you praise. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We're talking today about two things. We're talking about the purpose of God and we're talking about preparedness or being prepared. And I want to, I think it would be good maybe to just right out of the gate begin to understand what in fact is the purpose of God. This seems to have been a quest for people of all ages and civilizations to try to understand, ascertain what is the purpose of God, but, but the purpose of God is not mysterious. The scripture tells us what is the purpose of God. And so I would, like to, I would like just to take us quickly through a few verses of scripture that make 
uh, it abundantly clear what is the purpose of God. I, I'd like to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Of course, this is a great passage beginning at the 17th verse. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, and here it is, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Thank God he doesn't impute our trespasses to those that are in Christ. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. First Timothy chapter one and verse 15. This is Paul speaking to Timothy in the first epistle. And he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. This is a saying that we need to listen to and, and understand that it is true, it is consistent, and everybody needs to believe it. It is worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world, and here's why, to save sinners of whom I am chief. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10 tells us that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In Luke chapter 15, in the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The Bible describes that when the sheep was reconciled to the sheepfold and the lost coin was reconciled to the other coins and the son was reconciled to his father, that there was great joy in heaven, that there was great joy in the presence of the angels, and that there was a celebration because my son, the father said of the prodigal son, who was dead is now alive. And we see this time and again that God's purpose for coming into the world as the man Christ Jesus was for the sole intent of reconciling the world unto himself. You ever heard the term lost? We're reaching the lost. What do we mean? We mean people who don't know their real purpose. They don't realize that they are actually children of God and that they are to live in the abundant blessing of the Lord here and for eternity. And they are lost and they look to all the wrong things and they're like the blind leading the blind and this is why Jesus came to the world, to save sinners. This is what the angel of the Lord told Mary. You shall call that babe's name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the whole purpose of God, to save souls. And that is the purpose of the church today. Our purpose must never be diluted. It must never be convoluted. It must never be compromised by any other purpose. The purpose of the church is to reach this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to become like the world, it's to reach the world. 
And it's not to reject the world, it's to reach the world. It's to put our hands in the harvest and say to those who do not know the pure and precious gospel of Jesus Christ that they are, in fact, the object of God's affection. And we see this on a wide scale, a universal scale, a worldwide, global scale, that we are to reach the whole earth. And Jesus told his disciples as we read, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But, but, but we see in the parables, as I mentioned, of the sheep and the coin and the son, the prodigal son, we see not only the wholesale acts of God to reach all the world, but we see the individual reach of God. We see that God reaches for the individual, and so I want to make abundantly clear to you tonight that just as God is set on reaching the whole world, He is set on reaching you as an individual. He wants you to be saved. He wants your children to be saved. This is the purpose of God. And I want you to know that we're going to live eternally somewhere. And it is the purpose of God for you to experience all the blessing that he has in store for his people. That's why today we do rejoice over those who are being baptized in Jesus' name. That's why we do rejoice over those that are gonna be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Just these past couple of weeks, we had several young people filled with the Holy Ghost up at the campgrounds. Can we give God praise for that? One of the young ladies getting baptized today in Jesus' name, she was filled with the Holy Ghost at the campground and became camper of the year. Amen. One of the other young ladies that was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost is the great granddaughter of our beloved brother Ken Wilson who plays the trumpet here and has for many years. And she received the same Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost in the same spot at the campgrounds that he received the Holy Ghost. Back in the 1950s, God is good. It's for you, it's for your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. It's the purpose of God. He wants to fill whosoever will with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wants to wash away the sins of whosoever will. It is the purpose of God, and we must never get our eyes off of that purpose for any reason whatsoever. We are here to reach those who are lost, considering our own selves, knowing that without the blood of Jesus, we too are lost. It is only the blood of Jesus and his word that gives us grace to be able to stand here today and magnify his hand, magnify his name, lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubting, cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Jonah, this great figure of, of historic uh, biblical history, this great man, his name is, is, is etched into the hearts and minds of people who have studied the scriptures for generations. And his name is this familiar to people of all, uh, all backgrounds, uh, along with, with the phrasing of David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den or Noah and the ark. You might be familiar with Jonah and the whale. This man who was disobedient to God and, and, and decided that he would go his own way upon hearing the call of God and in going his own way, he opened up a series of very difficult circumstances that, uh, that, that, that ultimately brought him to a place he had never been before. 
He cried out unto God and God delivered him. And he rose up out of those circumstances in order to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. And then, of course, we read the latter part of that great book, Jonah chapter 4. But I want to say that all of us can relate a little bit with Jonah. And two of the ways that we can relate to Jonah is the fact that Jonah was called of God. And whether you know it or not today, and I hope by the time we finish today, you do know that you are called of God. Every single one of us are called of God. There's a reason you're here today. You're not just here today because you were satisfying some quota on the calendar of days you spend in church. You're not here today to to get some kind of a guilt trip off of your shoulders or satisfy some positive peer pressure. But you're here today because down deep on the inside of your soul, you feel a compulsion of God himself, your creator, your heavenly father, compelling you to step into his presence. And Jonah felt the call of God. And I want to tell you what that call of God consisted of. It consisted of two things, and they are these. Arise and go. Arise and go. This is the call of God. Arise and go. And I will tell you today in Jesus' name, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will communicate it to your soul far more effectively than I could ever hope to communicate it with my lips of clay. But I pray you understand that the Spirit of God is beckoning you to arise. I don't know what you've sunken into, but he says to you with mercy in his voice, arise. I don't know what pit of despair you find yourself in. I don't know what, what problem you've got yourself into, but the Lord says to you today, arise. And he's not even considering the circumstances around you. Don't let those things hold you in bondage. Don't let your mistakes and failures prevent you from rising up into the call of God. Don't ever lie, believe the lie of the enemy that tells you that you're condemned, that God wants nothing to do with you, or that his people are judging you. No, sir, no, ma'am. Understand the call of God is unequivocal. Arise! He doesn't make exceptions for what problem you're involved with. He doesn't make exceptions for what attitude you may have had in the past. He doesn't make exceptions for any of it. He said, arise. I'm going to tell you that God can lift you up out of whatever pit. There is no despair. There is no despondency that can take hold of you. That God cannot speak into that circumstance and say, arise. Oh, I feel, I feel something pulling us up today. I feel something lifting us up out of some kind of a pit, some kind of a despondency. Ah, you can feel the tug of your heart arise. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up out of those circumstances. Arise. And, and then the very next thing that the call of God said was go. Arise, go. Arise, go. First, you got to rise. That's what you're doing when you repent of your sins. You're rising. That's what you do when you're baptized in Jesus' name. You're arising. That's what you do when God fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're rising. Hallelujah. But the very next commission is go. Because I've got work for you to do. I've got a 
world to save. I've got people to reach. Go. That's what we do when we give. We're going. That's what we do when we pray. We're going. That's what we do when we witness. We're going. That's what we do when we teach Bible studies. We're going. That's what the elements module is all about. It's going. Going where? Going to that great city, Nineveh, whose wickedness has risen up before God. And it has, it has qualified for the judgment and the wrath of God. And God knows that the vials of his judgment are about to be poured out upon that great city, Nineveh. And he looks to this man, Jonah, and says, Arise! Get out of whatever distraction has held you in bondage. Get out of whatever thing, whatever foothold has prevented you. Whatever it is, whatever it is. And it can certainly be anything. But whatever it is, arise and go. I've got, I've got people to save. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. While you're so bothered by your pet peeves, people are dying and going to hell. While we are sitting around fighting over petty things. People are in need of a saving hand of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let those who know his mighty power, his precious blood, his word that is forever settled in heaven, let us rise and go. But alas, like Jonah of old, we feel the, 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 the pressure and the intimidation of what all that call represents. Because it's not an easy task that God called Jonah to. I can't even go into all the complexities that it may represent. When he says, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it because its wickedness has, has come up before me. And, and the judgment of God has been tantalized. And the, the vial of God tips in that direction. And God, before it is unleashed, in a way such as Sodom and Gomorrah received, God desperately reaches for somebody who will arise and go. And Jonah, Jonah hears the voice. He hears the call, just like you hear the call right now. He heard the call then. And when he heard the call, he, he was intimidated by what all it meant. It certainly meant discomfort. It certainly meant commitment. It certainly meant consecration. It certainly meant some areas where he felt unqualified. Maybe it even meant that he would preach to people he was afraid of. And there was some reason why Jonah was not wanting Nineveh to hear this message. And we can, we can uh, speculate all we want as to why. But the bottom line is that he did not want to preach this message to Nineveh. And, and he ran, the Bible says, he fled unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and good luck with that. You can't get away from the presence of God. I'm gonna tell you, you can try all you want, but when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, he'll visit you wherever you think you might try to get away from him. Jonah said, I will go to Tarshish and flee from the presence of the Lord. And, and God said, I'll go wherever you go. You can't get away from. You know what David said? David said, if I take wings like a dove, hallelujah, and ascend up into heaven, God is there. He said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, God is there. I can't get away from him. And 
I'm telling you today, you can't get away from him. He'll visit you in the midnight hour. He'll speak to you in the depth of your sleep. He'll send somebody along your path and it will remind you of things you know about him. Jonah gets on that boat. He goes to the bottom of the boat and thinks he's left his years of prophesying well behind him. And here he goes out into the wild blue yonder, the deep blue sea. And as he gets out into that water, the Bible says that a storm began to rise. Let me tell you something. God is in the storm. Can I, ah, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I need to tell somebody who sees the lightning flashing right now, who can hear the thunder roll right now, who can see the cumulonimbus clouds gathering or overhead. I want you to know that God is in that storm and you're not alone. And when God is there, oh, I feel his presence. When God is there, it's all of God that is there. His love is there. His mercy is there. His loving kindness is there. His goodness is there. I know it's scary. I know it sounds scary. It feels scary. It looks scary. And the forecast is frightening. But all of God is in that storm. All of him is inside that storm. And he knows right where you are. And the Bible says that when the storm began to develop, and this storm was so bad it was about to capsize the boat, and those fishermen, those sailors, those men of the sea said, this is a, a different kind of storm. This isn't, this, isn't just, this isn't just a hot front meeting a cold front. God is mad at somebody. God is angry about something. Somebody has displeased the Lord. Jonah's down there sacked out, thinking he has fled from the presence of the Lord. They come down to Jonah and they said, hey, you gotta get up, man. Everybody's trying to figure out who has displeased the Lord. And Jonah's like, oh man, I can't imagine who that would be. Oh boy, I hope we can sure find the guy. Where is he? Let me at him, let me at him. They, they draw straws and it, they cast lots and it landed on Jonah. And man, Jonah thought, all right, I'll just come clean. I'll just tell him, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, they're reasonable guys. Listen, it's, it's me. God told me to go to Nineveh and preach to that city. And I was like, I don't think I can really do that. So I got on the boat. I came out here and I think I'm the reason this is happening. And I just hope we can all come to a mutual understanding that I should have never done that. And, and maybe I'll learn my lesson. And next thing you know, they're throwing him overboard. <laughs> he hits that water. And you talk about a bad day. I mean, that's a, that's a bad day. Storm on a boat is a bad day. Getting thrown over the boat in the storm this day is getting more complicated. Anybody had any days like that? I, I've got my hand raised, but I've never had a day quite like that. And if that's not bad enough, the Lord prepared a great fish. I want to say that again. The Lord prepared a great fish. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God is prepared. God is prepared for our disobedience. 
God is prepared for our rebellion. God is prepared for when we act out. God is prepared for when we enter storms of our own making sometimes. God is not caught off guard. And I'm gonna tell you, the storm you're in right now, God is not caught off guard by it. You may feel caught off guard, but God is in the middle of that storm and the Lord prepared a great fish. Now it felt like hell had opened its mouth upon Jonah, but the Lord had prepared a great fish. Hallelujah. Do you know that when Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't catch God off guard? Do you know that when man fell in the garden, it didn't catch God off guard? God was not caught unprepared when man decided to sin because from before the foundation of the world, deep in the mind and the logos of God, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God had already made up his mind. If and when man commits this transgression of disobedience, I'm gonna step down into those circumstances and let my blood deliver him from his disobedience. God was not unprepared. He prepared a great fish. And when he prepared that great fish, you talk about Jonah's bad day getting worse. That bad day just kept getting worse. He's sinking and sinking into the bottom of this great sea and it looks like all hope is gone and just when he's thinking well maybe I'll come to the surface he gets gulped he gets swallowed by a great fish something that the Lord had prepared and Jonah Jonah chapter 1 details his disobedience Jonah chapter 1 details the consequences of his disobedience but Jonah chapter 2 might be the greatest chapter of this book Everybody needs a Jonah chapter 2. Hallelujah. Can I just tell you there's a new chapter opening up. I don't know what chapter you've been living in, but I want you to let that chapter close. And I want you to let a new chapter. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like there's a new chapter opening up for somebody today. You may be lost in the details of what has been going on in your world up to this point, but God wants to put an exclamation point on some things and open up a new chapter of life and living. And the Bible says that Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. My God have mercy. Let me tell you something that happened in the life of Jonah because this, this story's a little complicated. This guy is celebrated in the word of God. Jesus commends Jonah. Jesus takes this example of him being swallowed by the whale and says that this experience Jonah had, that's the message that's gonna be declared to this generation. Just the son of man will be in the heart of the earth as Jonah was in the belly of a whale. Jonah was celebrated. His prophetic ministry was validated by the Lord Jesus himself in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12. And so it's a little complicated because this guy's disobedient. This guy's rebellious. He finally goes to Nineveh and, and God delivers Nineveh. And after he delivers Nineveh, Jonah gets mad at God and contends with God. There's this, there's this contending between Jonah and God in Jonah chapter four. And it doesn't really get resolved in Jonah It ends with God giving him a rebuke and that's the end of the book. 
This is a little complicated, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you what Jonah's salvation was. It's verse one. Then Jonah prayed. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't, it doesn't matter where you are, don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop communicating with God. I don't, know, I don't know what you're feeling right now, but communicate those feelings to God. Let me tell you, God is a big God, and he can handle your big questions, and he can handle your big concerns, and he can handle your big regrets. And I'll go further to say that's when he hears you is when you're speaking from the fish's belly, when you're speaking from down deep inside, where the pain lives. Sometimes I think we can get into those vain repetitions. And I don't believe God hears those vain repetitions. I don't believe that when we come in and we're just trying to satisfy some kind of a, of a, of a little ritual and we're trying to let other people hear us and we're just going through motions. I don't, I don't, I don't think that pierces the earthly barrier. But I'm going to tell you, when this heart cries out, God whirls at attention to what you're saying. He hears the heart cry. God always hears the heart cry. And it doesn't matter what fish's belly you've gotten yourself into. Cry unto the Lord from the fish's belly. I don't care how hopeless. It doesn't matter how despondent. It doesn't matter how broken. It doesn't matter how disobedient, how rebellious, how stubborn you've been. Cry unto the Lord from the deep, miry clay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there when nobody else could hear you but God could hear your cry? That fish's belly is not the end of your ministry. That fish's belly is not the end of your walk with God. That fish's belly is not the end of your family. Listen to what he said. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction. The, you know why the Lord prepared a great fish? So that Jonah could be afflicted. And verse two, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I and you heard my voice. Verse one, it was the fish's belly. Verse two, it was the belly of hell. How far have you gone? Doesn't matter, cry, wherever you are, cry. My God, if you don't ever hear anything I ever say for the rest of mine in your life, I want you to hear this. Cry unto the Lord from wherever you are. No matter the mistakes you've made, regardless of how rebellious you've been, doesn't matter, cry. He said, you have cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. The floods come past me. The billows, the waves are passed over me. I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Hear me today. Why do I feel this so strong in my spirit? I do so strong. I need to tell somebody, look again. You don't understand, Brother Urshan. I've, I've, I've tasted of the goodness of God. I've seen his mighty power and I chose to walk away. Look again! I've spoken tongues. I, I've, I've danced in the spirit. I, I've fallen out in the Holy Ghost. I, I've walked with God, but I've walked away. Look again toward his holy temple. He is a God of everlasting mercy.
Look again. Hallelujah, the waters come past me about even to the soul. The depths closed me round about the weeds. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Folks, he's, listen, he's where the Ocean Gate submarine, the Titan submarine went and lost contact with everybody on earth. He's where nobody can find him. He went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars. I've seen stuff nobody's ever seen before. I've, I've gone down deep into some dark waters that nobody can even talk about. I've gone where I'm cast out of the sight of God. Thou brought, verse number six, I want you to, this word in the middle of it, her bars were about me forever, yet, yet. I want, you to, I want you to hold on to yet. Hallelujah. Yet. When the devil tells you it's over, I want you to look at him and say, not yet. When the devil says your best days are behind you, you look at the devil and say, you haven't seen anything yet. There's a yet in the middle of my turmoil. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Oh, remember him today. Remember him today. My prayer came in unto thee. My prayer. Oh, I feel the presence of God today. His prayer pushed past every other prayer. He was moving in and out of every other prayer that was being lifted up before God. My prayer. All those saints at Tree of Life are praying and thank God for every prayer of every saint. But I want you to know that the prayer of him in the fish's belly, him in the belly of hell, he who has gone down into the depths that no one has seen, his prayer has come into the holy temple of God. Thou hast they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. That's an Old Testament way of saying Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord, here's this, verse 10. The Lord spake unto the fish. God is communicating with your trial. God is talking to the circumstances you're facing. You keep crying out unto him. Because I want to tell you what. He's not going to let you go till you're saved. He's not going to let you go till you turn unto him. He's not going to let you go till you walk away from whatever it is you got entangled with and step into his glory. And he's, he's communicating with the great. I know you want out of the great fish. I know you want away from that circumstance. But I'm going to tell you something. Until you cry unto him with all of your heart. God's just going to hold it right there because my purpose is the salvation of all mankind. My purpose is the salvation of whosoever will. You don't have to be saved if you don't want to, but you don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. The Lord spake unto the fish and the fish 
The fish didn't have an, uh, an option. He vomited Jonah up upon the dry land. The word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. Thank God for the second time word from God. Here it comes. Arise, go. Same word unto Nineveh. There Jonah came, and he came through those streets. I don't know what he looked like. He probably looked pretty rough. But he walked through the streets of Nineveh, shaking his fist. Hear the word of the Lord. This great city, 120,000 people. Hey, that's a nice-sized city today. That was a massive metropolis in the ancient world. He said, the judgment of God is coming upon this city. He limped up and down the streets of Nineveh. You hear the word of the Lord. The judgment of God is coming upon this city. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you go the way of the world. The judgment of God is coming upon this world. Don't you get caught up. Don't you get caught up in what this world has deemed as normal and acceptable. Don't you get caught up in it. You better hold to God's unchanging hand. You better stand upon the word that never changed. Because when this world is on fire and it will be on fire. Can I preach it like I feel it? We used to preach it. We used to let people know he's not coming with water. He's coming with fire next time. We've got to promise that he won't come with water. He's coming with fire next time and it's coming. And you better hold on to God. You better get a hold of the word of God. It better be deep in your heart to sustain you when the world is on fire. The grass will wither, the flower will fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit to the joints and marrow of the bone and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart hold on to the word stand on the word Jonah preached to that great city the judgment of God is coming and that was his only assignment his assignment was not to convert them it was to warn them he walked away and he just kind of looked over his shoulder. And what he saw actually made him mad. Because the Bible says from the greatest to the least. That's an important order. Do you hear me, mom and dad? From the greatest to the least. Do you hear me, elders who've lived for God for a long time? From the greatest to the least. They repented in sackcloth and ashes. Do you know that when Jesus said to them, cast the first stone, do you know the Bible says that the, that, that the elder, from the eldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. It's so vitally important for the elder to lead by example. If you're a mom or your dad today, you gotta come up, arise up out of, of, of whatever it is that keeps you from feeling like you need to take a leading role and lead your family. And be that elder in Jesus' name from the greatest to the least. Jonah's looking back and from the greatest to the least, the king, all of his cabinet, all of the officials, they all started covering themselves in sackcloth and ashes. All of the citizenry covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. All of the animals and livestock were covered in sackcloth and ashes and they cried unto the Lord. God's message was not, if you'll repent, I won't do it. His message was, it's coming. 
but they just said, maybe he's a merciful God. You will never regret crying out to God for his mercy. He is a merciful God. And this message of destruction and condemnation upon Nineveh, the Bible says the Lord looked at their, their cry. He heard their cry and he looked upon their repentance. And the Lord turned from the judgment he was going to pour out upon them. And it made Jonah mad. I, I don't know why. Maybe Jonah was like, now I look like a liar. You put me up to this, got me out there, got me saying all this stuff, and now I look like a liar. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't like Nineveh. Maybe he thought Nineveh deserved to be destroyed, but for whatever reason, it really angered him. He said, I knew you would do this. I knew you'd be gracious. I knew you would be merciful. I knew they, all they had to do was repent, and you'd turn from what you were going to do. And the Bible says that Jonah went up onto the mountainside and he made a little booth. Now this is important because there are things that we prepare and there are things that God prepares. And what God prepares works. And what we prepare will not work. It was Jonah's idea to go to Tarshish. Bad idea. But it was God who created that fish and prepared that fish. God was raising that fish up to come and meet Jonah and, and create an, a situation of affliction that would lead him to repentance. And the Bible says that Jonah went up and made himself a little booth for shade. And apparently it wasn't good enough. And God overnight brought up a gourd that created a much greater shadow than any little booth Jonah could have ever made. And Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. But God prepared a worm because Jonah himself, God wasn't just interested in saving Nineveh. He was interested in saving Jonah. There are some blessings that come into our life and we're exceeding glad of them, but our attitude is still so off. And God will, God will create, God will prepare a worm. And just like God prepared a whale, God prepared a worm. We could preach a whole message on Jonah and the worm. And the worm came and ate up the blessing that God had just given Noah and that made Noah, Jonah mad and, and, and before God prepared the gourd he, cre he prepared a great wind great wind, a gourd, a worm God's just creating all kinds of stuff he's preparing all kinds of things to save Jonah and Jonah said I wish I would just die and the Lord said do you really feel justified in being angry? He said I do I know we can't even imagine talking to God like that, but God appreciates the honesty. And you'll never go wrong just having a constant communication with God. Don't charge him foolishly. Don't charge him foolishly, but you can be honest with him, with him about how you feel. And let his word instruct you and teach you. And he'll speak to your heart. And he said to Jonah, do you well? Are you really justified? Do you feel justified in being angry? And Jonah said, I do. I think I have a right to be angry. And, and the Lord said, all right. But here's, here's what I want you to see. He said, you were so thankful for that gourd that gave you shade for a day. And you didn't even labor for it. You didn't, you didn't, even, you didn't even build it. You just... I gave it to you and that gourd showed up in a day and, and you were thankful and then I took it away. Now, now you have such angst about losing that gourd that you only had for one day that you didn't do anything to deserve. He said, 
should I not spare this city who have turned to me for mercy? And that's the end of the book of Jonah. God letting Jonah know, I brought blessings in your life. I brought the wind in your life. I brought the worm in your life. I brought everything. I prepared all of it to lead you into my purpose of reaching souls with the saving message of my truth. I feel like there's somebody here today who you feel like you're being tossed and driven by waves and whales. You feel like you're, you're getting stuff just ripped away. They come and good things come and good things go. And, and problems arise and vehement winds. And I've just come to tell you that God is preparing you for his purpose if you'll let him. Ha. I want somebody that believes in the goodness and the mercy of God to lift your hands and your voice unto him right now. Say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. I don't know why the gourds come and go. I don't know why the worms even show up. I don't know why the vehement wind is blowing. But God, I believe in your purpose. I believe you've got a wisdom that I can't fully ascertain and understand. I need somebody to cry unto him right now. Cry unto him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Stand with me, if you will, in Jesus' name. My grandfather, one of the great voices of the modern apostolic movement, when he was 19, 20 years old, 19 years old, he, had, he was running from God. He had a call of God upon his life. And he had tuberculosis. If you know anything about tuberculosis in the early half of the 20th century, you know that it was a, it was a bad situation. He had tuberculosis that was eating his lungs. He was in a TB ward. He was quarantined from society. He was dying. He was dying. That was it. He was dying. He was in med school because he was avoiding going into the ministry. He was going to become a doctor. And as he lay there in his bed of affliction dying, my great-grandfather, his father, the, a great man of God, walked into the room and looked at him and said, Where to now, Jonah? He said, turn from that path and step into the call of God. And God can use you as a doctor. God can use you in any field God can use you. But you've got to make sure you're following his path and not your path. I feel like God is reaching for somebody today. I feel like there's somebody here, some Jonah here, who hears it, maybe ever so faint, but you hear God saying, rise up. Rise up, rise up. It's time to come away from the bitterness. It's time to come away from the bondage. It's time to come away from the brokenness. And if you'll pay really close attention, you can even tell God is starting to remove certain desires from your spirit. Come on, be honest. There's stuff you used to desire that were sinful and you're desiring them less and less. Be honest. You thought they defined you and they don't because that was a lie of the devil. And you're desiring them less and less. God is calling you up out of them saying, arise, arise. I've got a place for you to go. I've got a thing for you to do. Just surrender to him now. 
don't, don't, don't wait for the great fish. Don't wait for the vehement east wind. Don't wait for the worm and the gourds to come and go. Just, just come on in and do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. Where to now, Jonah? I want somebody to step out of their seat and into the aisle and come down to the front of this house right now in Jesus' name and say, Lord, let me step into your purpose. I don't ever want to veer from your purpose. Come on, I want somebody to step into the discomfort of calling right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Step boldly into the discomfort of calling right now. Come on, Peter, get out of that boat. Come on, Peter, get out of that boat. What are you afraid you can't consecrate? God will be your consecration. You're afraid you won't be able to commit? God will be your commitment. He will be your everlasting portion. In the name of Jesus. I want somebody that has come into something you've been unprepared for, and I want you to know God is not unprepared for it. I need some folks to come right now that something you're not prepared has developed. I want you to know God is prepared. He's totally prepared. This has not caught him off guard. He's completely prepared. He's doing a work you can't see. He's doing a work you could never be able to script on your own. Whoo, hallelujah. I'd see somebody to cry from the fish's belly right now. Come on, somebody cry from the fish's belly right now. Come on, I need somebody to cry from the belly of hell right now. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Lift that voice, lift that voice, lift that voice. Under God, lift that voice under God. prepare a place for you that where he is there you may be also That's it, that's it, that's it. 